for your presence, Father. We thank you just for your peace this morning, God. We thank you just for that in our hearts, and uh, we thank you just for this time together in Jesus' name. More God's people say, Amen. Thanks, Quibus and Alice. It was amazing. Take our seats. Welcome everyone that's here and welcome to the Zoomers who's uh, joining us online. It's a privilege to have you all here this morning. Um, For those who don't know me, my name is Jacques. I'm one of the elders serving here. Um, Pastor Diaby and Runel um, are away for the weekend, so I'm just taking that gap as well. So yeah, I'm excited to to share with you this morning. I'm gonna gonna jump right into it, but to just give some background as to where we are in terms of things that have been preached lately. Last year, we spoke a lot about um, righteousness and the work that Christ did on the cross and reconciliation. Matthew and Diabia unpacking that for us nicely, and to an extent, last year and the beginning of this year, I think Diabia also chatted about uh, three themes that we saw um, being active in the city of Cape Town, and that's the opposite of righteousness, peace, and joy um, that the Bible says. That that is where the kingdom is at. So this morning, if we can have that first slide, um, my plan was initially to speak about, you can put on that first slide, to speak about rest. So that has also been a theme um, how do we rest? We, we have busy lives uh, here in Cape Town. Um, we, we have spoken in different ways. Different people have spoken about rest and the practices of, of rest. And as I started preparing and praying about it, I realized, but why do we rest? Is, is rest the end in itself? Um, sometimes we would think of it as just not being busy. So I want to rest so that I'm not busy. And that almost can so easily become an end in itself that we're almost chasing after rest. But what? how do you measure whether you are resting? Um, what is the, the purpose of resting? And uh, there's a lot of good practices that we've, we've talked about in the last few months. But what I found is after it's all said and done, the KPI, if you like, the way to measure whether we are resting is actually the peace of God that we're after. We want our lives to be filled with the peace of God and that we are led by the peace of God, that we are people um, of peace. But at the same time, in especially times like COVID, there's so many things um, that causes anxiety and we almost think if those things just go away, then we will have peace. And we can set ourselves up for failure because the absence of those things doesn't necessarily provide us with, with real peace. And because it's such a general word these days, I mean, I mean if you want to win a beauty pageant, we all know you want world peace, right? <laughs> so it's, it's such a general term that we, we throw it around and it almost becomes cheap in a way and we almost lose its true meaning and the weightiness of what it is. When we read the word in scripture, we see peace and we think, oh yeah, peace, this and that. So I think this morning, basically, I just want to unpack a bit of that. And it's such a wide 
It's, it's like speaking about God's love. It's part of his characteristic in a way. It's such a wide theme, but I just want to unpack a bit of it at least. So shalom, peace. Um, shalom means peace in Hebrew, so that's just for, for us in terms of English just to say that. I just want to get this right. Let me just rather look there. So if we go to the next slide, am I still in the camera there? So our, our key verse is Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Is that okay, the sound? So if we know this part. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. And then that part that Quibus also quoted just now. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We just stand still on that a bit. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I almost want you to think a bit, what does that mean for you? The peace of God. If we go to the next slide, just put that there. We're not chasing after peace on its own. It's the peace of God. It's because we are serving the God of peace. So actually, we're longing to be, to be in the presence of the God of peace. If I tell you there's the peace of Joe Soap, then you would ask me, who's Joe Soap? What is the significance of having the peace of Joseph? Why should I even be interested in that? And that forces us to almost stand still and ask ourselves, but who is this God if we say the peace of God? And I've just, on a very high level, just listed some things there. I mean, God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. If you think of the most isolated place in the Amazon where there's a, a, a tranquil waterfall where no human being has ever been and you think of the Himalayas, Everest, the highest point on earth and the deepest point in the ocean where it's dark and no scientist has ever been. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful. He created the heavens and the earth by just speaking at it, and it came into being. And the same God sent His Son because He so loved us to be saved from the consequences of sin. And that's the, the God of peace, where, when the Scripture says, and let the peace of God, it doesn't speak to just a, a peace, a, a normal peace, if you want to use it in that sense, but it's the peace of God, and we'll get back to that. And then the next part says, peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, in our Western culture, I mean, we want to understand something. We don't just want to receive it, right? We, we feel that we have more control if we understand it. So it's almost like we would rather first understand it, then receive it. But the thing is, in the kingdom of God, sometimes it works the other way around. To receive peace, you almost have to give up the right of understanding it. And I'm not saying that we, we don't pursue understanding the things of God, but sometimes we want to first understand it before receiving it. We want to know how our to-do list and everything we have to do, and how is that going to fit in so that we can understand and that we can tell God, okay, 
Now I can have peace because I understand how things are going to work out. And on that, many times our, God wants to take us, our hearts, where our minds can't go at that stage. And there's a place where we need to give up our understanding. And actually, it's more like giving up control of, over the situation. Because we, would, we feel in control if we understand. We sometimes would rather not have peace, but stay in the realm of understanding, than give up the realm of understanding and have God's peace. And we feel that it's like a light switch. We will receive God's peace as long as we can understand it. And that's something that we need to let go of. Because it says it's peace that surpasses all understanding. You're not necessarily going to understand it, but it's a peace that surpasses that. We go to the next slide. Some of you might know that Gert is a design artist, so I see this as my submission to, to work at. It's not a, Gert, what exactly do you do? It's not design artist, sorry. Graphic design, something like that. But like you can see, Gert, I've applied my best here to just draw up something. Um, I've been quite creative with my lines and everything here. So creative expression, I know you would appreciate that. Used the right text there as well. Um, so sometimes we see peace. This is our idea of peace. It's just the absence of anxiety to an extent and we just want things to be chill in that sense. We almost just, it's an ideal weekend of just being on the couch, and that's almost our idea of rest. And then we start thinking in our minds without knowing it that that is what we see as peace. But that's just the absence of some kind of conflict in our lives at that moment. But shalom, when the Bible speaks of the Hebrew and shalom, it's so much more than just the absence of anxiety um, or that I'll get back to this picture later but on but I want us to almost stretch our mind when it says the peace of God it's, it's more than what we're used to another picture that I saw just in terms of explaining shalom peace for me in a sense is if we go to the next one just saw this picture of a, a seedling growing and when a seedling grows it doesn't think of the next step, okay, um, at week one, so this, I need to get water, I need to get this, um, it just happens. That's how God designed that seedling, is just to grow and flourish. And sometimes we think of peace, we think at least we're going to survive. I mean, I'm not here anymore, so I'm there, so I'm all good. I don't need more peace of God. And we settle for that while... We'll see later on. Shalom means it's a place of flourishing. And the end result is, uh, is to become the, it's the fullness of God that manifests um, in us and through us. So when we say, and let the peace of God, it's not just, oh, I'm at peace now because my work is okay. There's not heavy deadlines currently, or at least my marriage or something is... is uh, I, I can manage it currently, so it's okay. I don't need more peace. But then we almost cheat ourselves because we, we become so used to living at a low level of, of God's peace. And the next picture that I also just saw is it's also something that we need to walk in. Um, 
like a new pair of boots, Low Ayman would probably tell you that the first day that you buy those boots, they're not always comfortable. It's not from day one that it's just comfortable and it's going in. But it's the right boots. Just because it's uncomfortable in that moment doesn't mean there's something wrong with the boots. You just have to walk it out a bit. And over time, it's going to be, become more, more comfortable in that sense. I feel with many of the, the principles in the kingdom is the same way. Sometimes there's a place where we're in the right place, but we just need to not only push through, but almost lean in. And that's like walking in those boots. Um, anyway, we were at the, that verse unpacking it, and the next part spoke of, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's just interesting to note that guarding is a proactive word. So where the peace of God is in our lives, it actually protects our hearts and minds. And many times we want to do so much work in mitigating and protecting our hearts and minds um, without realizing that, in, if I read this correctly, it almost seems as if the peace of God protects our hearts and minds, guards our hearts and minds. So if we pursue God's peace it will almost have the effect of protecting our hearts and minds. And we see there also, it's hearts and minds. I preached a while ago about the difference between our our mind. We can obviously know something, but the heart is the seat of our emotions and and soul. And it's so important to just have it from that place. So the, the word peace and the... Bible is commonly used in two ways. Obviously, in the Old Testament, that's Hebrew, is Shalom. And then in the New Testament, in Greek, it's Irene. But I'm going to focus more on just unpacking Shalom. So, the, the word means, in its basic form, prosperity and tranquility. It's not only tranquility, where Irene is, it's, the Hebrew is obviously quite a rich language, but it, Irene is more focused on tranquility, but shalom is all-encompassing of prosperity and tranquility. The word, root word for shalom is shalom, and that means to be complete, perfect, and full. So if you think back of that graph or that picture I, I drew for her, you would remember that we can have a place where we're not complete and full, but we would tell ourselves that we're happy with where we are. We have relative peace. But shalom peace is that place of being, comes from the root word of being complete, perfect, and full. If we go to the Strong's Dictionary um, definition of that, it says shalom is completeness, wholeness, soundness, welfare, peace. So completeness in number, and I think in Job, Job said that he counted his sheep and they were shalom, so meaning they were complete. Um, there's places in the Bible where they refer to, I'm going to paraphrase it, but when you give someone a rock, it should be a, a shalom rock, so it should be a full, complete rock. It shouldn't be lacking of anything. And then we see that it's, uh, it also means welfare, health, prosperity, Peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, the one that we might be more used to. And then it also speaks to peace and friendship, so relationships. So there's shalom, in, in perfect shalom with human relationships, and we'll unpack that just now. 
And then obviously shalom with God. And we'll see in Romans 5 verse 1, once we have peace with God. And then there's obviously peace from war. And sometimes, like we said earlier, we reduce peace to just the absence of war. But it's so much more than that. It speaks to completeness and wholeness, the fullness of God. So when God created the earth, he said it's good. And he wants that fullness of how he created us to dwell in us. If we go to the next slide, in number six, um, the Aaron's blessing, um, he said, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And that's that shalom peace. So that's God's desire that we should walk in shalom, in his ways, in that peace, that fullness, um, in all areas of our lives. It's not only having our minds um, still in that sense, but that our circumstances display shalom, our relationships display shalom, our, our work ethic, our businesses, everything we're busy with, what our hands are doing, it should be an, almost an outflow of that shalom. So I said, let's focus on the relational dynamics of shalom. So we obviously have shalom with God. So we have relationships with, or relationship with God, with others, and with ourselves. But with others and with ourselves, we'll never really work properly unless we're reconciled with God. Um, I mean, secular humanism would like to push agendas to say, there is no God, you can go without God. But if you really go look at it um, somewhere, it it falls short and it falls flat. Um, So shalom with God um, is disrupted by sin. Now, we've unpacked a lot of that lately, so I'm not going to go too deep with that, but we need to realize that we need to be, that needs to be restored, and obviously Jesus made the way for our relationship with God to be restored so that we can have peace with God. And then we have shalom with others. And there's a YouTube video, I think, uh, that What's that Bible project video that actually explains everything that I'm talking through in three minutes that you should go watch afterwards. But what's interesting with Shalom with others, I didn't want to play it, otherwise I don't have a sermon to give. So. But I thought it's, it's quite deep, so you can look at something like that and think you have it, but it, it's gone in intellectually and we should really trust God for that to become part of our lives. But Shalom with others is more just with Bearing with one another, although bearing with one another is one of the um, components of love. But shalom with others, they say, speaks to socially just relationships between individuals and classes. So shalom with others is again where in society there's this fullness of God being represented in how we relate with each other. Um, It's working together for each other's benefit. That's a shalom relationship. And you can just think in your marriage, um, your work environment, the people you live with. It's not just sometimes we can go into a mode where we cope. We bear with one another. You know, we have a working type of relationship. But it's not really a place where we're looking out to 
working together for each other's benefits. It's not the fullness of God that's manifesting in that moment. And those are things that we can take to God because His desires for marriage, for relationships in the body of Christ to reflect shalom. Um, and then shalom within oneself, a third one, relationship with yourself. And God gives that perfect peace, that profound psychological and emotional peace to those who set their minds on him. And we have Isaiah 26 verse 3 there. We all know, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And that's something we can just continually meditate on. Um, we, for the last year, we have had the privilege of, of becoming parents, and uh, little Joshua is now around 14 months. And what I've realized is sometimes if he sets his eyes on something he wants, and he holds it out to him, he drops whatever he has in his hands, whether it was his food he was supposed to eat or, or whatever. And that just gave me this picture of, I think, what God almost would want from us so that we so seek him, so that we so desire his presence and keeping our, our eyes on him that anything else is secondary compared to him. But sometimes we find ourselves where our work, our various things, good things, become almost things that we hold on to and we'll look at God, but it's not a case of we're going to drop everything we have in our hands to, to pursue him. And I think that shalom that God wants to give us is like that. It says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And again, according to our understanding, we would almost want God to some, sign some kind of term sheet or document saying that if I give all of this up, you're definitely going to give everything you say you're going to give to me. Otherwise, we'll have to work it out as we go. And we, we almost miss so much out on what God wants to give us, but... Yeah, I think it's just that principle of not holding on to things. And then in Romans 8, verse 6, it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And we just see there again, and we'll get to it later as well, that we don't really have a... It's not like God is giving us the opportunity to hold on to our own lives and seek Him in that sense just because that's not how it has been made. So, what is our source of shalom? Why do we have access to... How, why can we speak of that, Have even dreaming or imagining having the fullness of God in our lives and manifest there? We see the Prince of Peace being prophesied about in Isaiah 9 verse 6. It says... For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It goes on to say, of the increase and of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And this is almost a measurement of how future kingdom will look. It would be an increase of shalom, increase of peace, where Jesus reigns, there's peace. In, our, in all areas of our lives, it's not only us coming to church and singing worship songs, and in this moment we experience the, the peace or presence of God, and then we go out to the 
world out there and then it's not a reality anymore. God is omnipresent and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. When Jesus came to the earth as a, as a human, we see in Luke 2 verse 13 to 14 that the, the angels sang and they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We can see that's part of Jesus' mandate in bringing the kingdom and that what comes with the kingdom is that peace, that fullness of God, so that man can come to God. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We see there that Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. And there's that place where we need to take almost responsibility for what are we allowing to almost try and replace that peace of Jesus in our lives. And I'm sure we'll, we'll still preach about those type of things in future, but I think that's something that each one of us need to think. What is replacing peace? God has already said through His Son, Jesus Christ, that He gives us that peace, but we need to each go to God Ask, what are those things that's that's withholding that peace from manifesting in our lives? And we see so beautifully in Colossians 1 how it speaks about that principle of shalom. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. For all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. So Jesus did the hard yards in terms of creating a place where we can come to the Father. The fullness of God cannot dwell directly in us because we're sinful in nature. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, as we give our lives to him and die to ourselves, the fullness of God can then dwell in us. So, and that's why it says, and he made peace by the blood of the cross. There was amnesty between us and God because of the sin and our sinful nature. But Jesus came to restore that. Isaiah 53, But he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. It's because of his chastisement that brought us peace. He took the punishment that we should have gotten. He took upon himself and he made the way for us so that we can obtain that peace. And Ephesians 2, it says from 11 to 17 there, but it's maybe more from verse 14 actually. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two so that so making peace and man might reconcile us to God in one body through the cross therefore killing hostility so there's two things at play here because we are mostly Gentiles so we weren't part of God's most want to say original people so, and Jesus came for the Gentiles and for the Jews, and therefore he made those two one, and that we can come to him, not through our abiding in the law, but abiding in him. 
um, and he brought us that peace. And as it says in that first part of the verse, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. And we saw in those verses in Isaiah 53 that he, he was qualified to be our peace. He went through the suffering so that he can be our peace. He did the work so that he can be our peace. And bring that shalom, reconciling us with God. And Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We say, said earlier that with relationships, it's not only peace with others, but peace with God primarily, because from that place, life flows from God through Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit into our lives, and we can be almost dispensers of that peace in our lives. Timothy Keller says that joy is peace lived out. So Romans 14 verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We can sometimes try and find our fullness in earthly things, in eating and drinking, but we fall so far short of the fullness of God in that, thinking that we're obtaining the fullness of God by filling ourselves with earthly things. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Timothy Keller, like we said there, says that joy is peace lived out, almost as if peace is the starting um, ingredient from where joy will naturally flow. So what is the invitation to us? In Matthew 11, verse 27 to 30, it says that all things have been handed over to me by my Father, And no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. See there that all things have been handed over to Jesus by his Father. The peace of God reigns in him. All the fullness, all that shalom is in him. And then he goes on to say, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think there I almost want to say that, some, like I said in the beginning, we can become so almost consumed with running after rest or peace, but we need to remember it's the God of peace that we're after. So Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon me, on, upon you. So it's, just, it's not just a place of, in that sense, receiving, but we need to reposition us. To take a yoke upon you means a repositioning from your side. You're not just going to walk and then suddenly you have a yoke upon you. There's a repositioning that you need to go through. And I actually saw a vision a, a while ago while we were praying as elders of, it's almost like um, a, a river and there were rafts, like, boat raft, log rafts um, going down and then there was like a raft that almost represented Jesus and um, as the raft came down so let's say I was standing on the raft and I could see I'm going past the raft that represents Jesus and I'm looking to him but I'm going downstream and as I go I'm going further and further and I I felt that we long to, to seek Jesus, but so many times our lives are structured in such a way that it leads us away from Jesus. And it's not like we're consciously 
choosing not to choose Jesus in that sense, but through life we need to continually reposition ourselves through different phases of life. If you're young working, when you're a student, you have certain costs to count when following Jesus, but when you become a young working person, then that changes. And when you get into a relationship, it changes. When you get married, it changes. When you swap work, it changes. All of those things continually bring new things that might lead us away that we were not previously aware of and also that we should almost have grace with ourselves in those seasons because it's not a quick fix. Over time we need to realize that the structures or the way our lives are structured leads us away from Jesus but that we continually seek and trust God to reveal those things so that we can, whether it's through practices or just the way things are structured or what we pursue, as God reveal those things, that we act on it in that way, structure our lives to, to, to point to Jesus. And that's obviously a place of becoming holy and being sanctified. It's going to be a continual place for the rest of our lives because we cannot trust in the flesh to start with. Um, it's only by the Spirit. Isaiah 55 continues with that invitation. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Think of the picture I had of peace, our limited way of peace. We spend our energy and things on filling ourselves up with things that doesn't really satisfy. And then he says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So we see there just in those two passages, Jesus and through the prophets just inviting us to come to him um, to receive that rest. So what do we do after hearing that? We saw that Jesus is qualified to give us that rest. He is the prince of peace and of his government there is no end of peace. It is his mandate, his, his purpose and his intention to increase peace as his government is place of control increases in our lives. So we can know that that is what God wants for us, is that shalom peace, that wholeness, that completeness, areas of brokenness in our lives to to come to effect. So what is the response? Maybe first just something that Isaiah told us. For he said, Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved, and in quietness and trust shall be your strength. So we see there again, God saying that in returning and rest you shall be saved, and in quietness and trust shall be your strength. And rest for me is almost the platform of pursuing and seeking God's peace. I mean, all the things, there's different ways to do peace for in different phases of your life, but it all comes down to having the peace of God manifest, dwell in your heart, soak into your heart, become part of your being. It's not something you switch on and switch off. When you get to work, then it's work, work, work. And then on weekends, you want to switch on the peace of God instead of switching on Netflix. It's not a replacement for that. It's the fullness of God dwelling in us. It's not something that gets switched on and switched off. But then 
so we see that in returning and rest you shall be saved. So we see God's gracious manner and love for us, that he wants us to come to him. He's calling us, saying, come to me and I will give you rest, and in quietness and trust shall be your strength. But then we see Isaiah going on, saying, but no, but you were unwilling, and you said, no, we will flee upon horses, therefore you shall flee away. And we will ride upon swift steeds, therefore your pursuers shall be swift. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we almost see God's invitation, but whether it's pride or just hardness of heart, in that moment we decide, no, we're going to control our lives. I'm first going to opt for route A or B. And maybe if that doesn't work out, I'll, I'll turn to God. And we see what's the effect there. And unfortunately, one sees that in people's lives around you sometimes, where people choose to, in their own strength, run with things. And the result of that is that this, we weren't made to consume ourselves. Our lives isn't there for our own consumption. It's there for the glory of God. But if we think our lives is only about us and consuming ourselves and spending on our time on us and making us better, then it's always going to have this destructive effect because they, the Bible says there are ways um, that looks right to a man, but its end is death. And sometimes we follow in those ways that look right to us or feel right for us, but it's only our own will that we're choosing and they're actually leading to death and destruction. Um, so in John, Jesus then says to this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And it's this contradiction, or not contradiction, but this thing that we almost sometimes want to avoid, the fact that we actually need to die to self so that we can live. And it's a nice thing to say, but when it gets real sometimes... We'd rather opt to climb on our strong horses and the work of the flesh and just ride off in the sunset and, and show God what we can do. But we see there that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it re- remains alone. And it dies. if it dies, it bears much fruit. So there, if we go to the next slide, we need to die to self. And if we go to the following one, we need to be resting in peace. So R.I.P., rest in peace. Normally when you die, obviously, but in this place, dying to self actually leads to peace and rest. And I can't take credit for this. This was obviously the pun master himself that gave this one to me. Um, so I didn't want to call that my sermon, but it, wa- it was fitting, so I used it. Um, but resting in peace, and it explains it so well for me because... We're dying to self so that we can live, so that we can have at peace and rest, uh, letting go of striving, kicking against the goats, but to, to receive it. And then words of Jesus just confirming, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So again, we see that principle by running after our own lives, we're actually losing it. But by surrendering it to God, 
we're getting it. Um, maybe if we just go to that key verse again. Um, Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Ah, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the purpose and what we're not only entitled to, but almost responsible to maintain in our lives. God has given us everything like we've seen through Jesus Christ, that this can be a reality in our lives, where the peace of God is not dependent on our to-do list or everything that needs to happen, but it's, it's continual, it's everlasting, it's, it's part of God's character, it's who he is. And I actually thought, and this is a, sounded strange for me to think of it this way, but imagine you had to go into God's living room and he invited you and you went to just sit there on a couch in God's living room. How would that, how would you imagine that to be? The angels and everyone just stayed in the throne room for a while and you were with him in the living room. And what I just felt is just this peace, but not only tranquility, this abundance, um, this fullness of God manifesting there. And I want us to, just as we maybe go into a time of worship now, there's maybe a song or so, Quibbers, just to bring our hearts before God, because I thought, should we do some questions, or should we do an altar call, but I think just to lay the foundation for us to save, take this to God in our own time as well, and just surrender to God where it's applicable, but realizing that God desires that fullness, that shalom peace to, to reign in our lives. And that's the rest of it, the shalom peace, that shalom, that fullness, that's where brokenness gets restored. It's that redemptive nature of God that takes the broken and makes it as if it's new. It's the blood of Jesus that washes our sins and delivers us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Redemption is being made new as if it was never broken. If it's redeemed, it's as if it, it never sinned. And I think that's a process of what God wants to do in our lives. So, yes, we just stand and maybe there's a song or so that we can just do together. And if there's anyone that wants to pray together, then we can pray together. But I, I want us just for trusting the Holy Spirit just to come do this work in our, in our hearts and convict us of those areas that's not surrendered to God where the peace of God is not reigning in our lives. Um, whatever area it is, we're called to surrender everything. So maybe as, as Quibbers just leads us into that, we can just stand and let's just, draw, let's just trust to draw near to God in this time, just to seek Him and call out to Him. And if you need to surrender, surrender, or just, let's just let the Holy Spirit just do it. We just call out to God and uh, thank you for those hands. And this as a sign of, of trust in God, just come and say, Father, we thank you.
thank you for your word that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Father, we thank you just for a hunger for more of you, Father, in every part of our lives. Father, and I just come and speak you know, just your uh, favor and blessing over people. Father, just that the desires that where there's areas that doesn't have that shalom, Father. We thank you just for that wholeness and fullness of God. We just speak over minds and hearts now in Jesus' name. Just an abundance, Father, that comes from your throne room. Father, just your fullness that the blood of Jesus made a way for us, Father. Just speak that over hearts and minds. Father, I thank you just for endurance, Father, in seeking your ways. And I'm just reminded of that picture of walking in the boots, Father, and for those who need to walk in those new shoes that are in the right place where God has called them for, but it's difficult, Father, and where, yeah, it's, if it's not peace that surpasses all understanding, we thank you just for that peace that surpasses all understanding, regardless of circumstances, in Jesus' name, Father, we thank you just for that, Father, we thank you just for endurance and strength to look to you, Father, and wisdom and guidance, we just Declare that over them, Father, in Jesus' name, Father. We thank you just for weak knees to be strengthened, Father, as they look to you, Father. I thank you just for faith to look to you as they look to you, the author and finisher of their faith, their source of peace. We just speak that over them, Father, in Jesus' name. And then I also want to pray, and if you're part of both groups, that's fine. You just want to surrender to God again or just in this place you feel an unctioning that you want to surrender and you just raise both hands as just a sign of just surrendering to God in this moment just raise both hands and Father we thank you just for your invitation where you said that those who are tired and heavy laden come to me Father and we thank you just for just uh, running to you for, for hearts that run to you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you just for that your hands are open. Father, like the prodigal son that came back, you receive us back, Father. And I thank you just for that, just for a surrendering of hearts and minds and will, Father. Everything to you, Father. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name, Father. We just yeah, we praise you for that, God. Yeah, if, if you of us, you, if there's, there's elders here, that you can just come to the front, and we would love to pray further with you as well, but I just feel that, to take this and just take it to God, it's not a once-off thing, a once-off prayer that has been prayed, but it's a continual thing that, that God would be revealing to you in this time as well. So yeah, just close for us, and maybe with that, we can maybe just worship, who's going to lead us in a that final song. Yeah, Father, we thank you just for your peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for that peace that surpasses all understanding, Father, against any intellect. Father, we thank you just to come and break down any intellectual ways of thinking that wants to have things under control. Father, we just bind any of those thoughts in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that we just come against any individualism or anything that tries to pull us away from drawing near to you, Father. And we thank you just for the blood of Jesus that speaks a better word and that we can just come and say, Lord, bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. If you would like to come forward for prayer in this time, you're
also welcome, but then we can just stand and, and sing um, as Quivers leads us.